Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Animals to the Max. I am your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for tuning in. Folks, I am so excited. I know I usually say that for every podcast guest, but I have someone very special on the podcast today. Uh, She uh, is probably the hardest working person I know in the wildlife field. She rescues all different types of animals, native wildlife, including badgers, beavers, skunks, uh, foxes, bats, the list goes on. It really does. And this is her uh, 31st year she's been working with wildlife and she is just a wealth full of information and I'm so excited to uh, do this. So please welcome to the podcast, Mady from Animals in Distress Organization. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on, Corbin. Yeah, well, thank you for doing this. I know you're a little hesitant, so... I'll be okay. And by the way, this is beautiful. So just for the listeners, we are upstairs of the Bird Rescue Center, correct? Ruth Melikar Bird Center. Ruth Melikar. I always get the name wrong. Ruth Melikar. Right. Melikar. And we're upstairs and we're looking out. It's beautiful. We're looking out at the golf course. We have birds. Just beautiful Well, yes, the 11th hole and we've got hawks and birds and it's, it's Quail Ridge. It's called that for a reason. So this Quail Hollow Golf Course. So they are bazillions of quail everywhere. Yes, it's beautiful here. Well, like I said, thank you for doing this. 30 years, over 30 years rescuing wildlife. Yes. How did you get into this? Did you grow up and were you always interested in animals? Well, my mother, um, long before I was born, in 19, not lot that long, 1938 was a founder of the Idaho Humane Society. So I come by it through attrition, really. So naturally, we had a, there wasn't a humane society. It was mm-hmm. down where the old Ann Morrison Park is. So they started a humane society in 1938 up at Gowan Field. And so there weren't really many kennels or anything. So we had huge kennels at our house um, over in the East End. And so I was always around, you know, dogs and cats and abuse cases and mm-hmm. everybody bringing my mother the little injured and orphaned creatures that they found. So I always had a, you know, I guess through attrition. I mean, I like animals a lot. Wow, your mother was the founder of the Idaho Humane Society? Yeah, with some other people, Uh uh-huh. Oh, my, I never even knew that. Yeah. Learning something every day. That's, okay, so you were almost, you were born into it, always surrounded. Exactly, it's in the bloody, whether I like it or not. Yeah, and so, but but you're more into, because you rescue native wildlife, were you more into, I mean, I'm assuming, were you more into the exotics, or is it just because there was no one else doing the exotics? Didn't even do anything with, I mean, we had, I think, a wolf pup once when I was a kid, found some bats, but no, dogs and cats, I would say, you know, Uh um, odd things here and there, but um, I didn't get, I started out, I don't know where to begin here, but I, when I went to school, I went to school to be in the advertising business, and I graduated that, and I worked in that for a long time. Okay. But um, during that time, I got kind of involved with the Humane Society and with, nobody's going to like this, with PETA back in the 70s. You were with PETA? Back in the 70s, I joined. They were oh brand new. Oh, my good, They were brand new. Right. Were you, the, you worked for PETA? No, I didn't work for them. No, I just joined them. Oh, 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 joined, oh, joined them. Okay. I took, like, Animal Rights 101 or something. Okay, when I lived okay. in California and got into all the stuff with exotics, like the elephants mm-hmm. and, the, and the horrible tests that were being done on animals and rabbits and monkeys and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But I still, I didn't have any animals when I, I was living in San Francisco. I didn't have any animals. But I was just trying to help with the Humane Society and helping with the PETA thing. Um, I am no longer a member of PETA. I just might say that, not for any reason. But mm-hmm. um, they started out as a good idea, and they've kind of boosted people's attitude, I think, a little bit about what's happening in the world today with animals. But... Um, so I did. I came, I moved back to Boise and um, got mixed up with the Humane Society, mm-hmm. 
and started the volunteer program and the foster parent program. They didn't have one in Idaho, stole mm -hmm. that from San Francisco and mobile adoption units. Um, I did Pets on Parade for several years. A TV star. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Can I have your autograph, yes, please? I mean, we had a huge audience, too. Did you really? Yeah, as many as Donald Trump had. <laughs> so, were uh, your approval ratings as, as bad as his writing? Yeah, they were bad because they I was always bad. talking about who was getting dead that so often. So, that is so crazy. I'm still Pets trying to get dogs. a TV show. Maybe I should go through you. you yeah, should, Pets yeah, on Parade. Exactly. Yeah, Pets on Parade. I don't, I don't even know if it's on anymore. And that was on our local ABC affiliate. Yeah, it was on Channel 6. Channel 6. Yeah. And you did that for many years. Six years. I did six it. years. Right, did it for six years. But then, anyway, so I was way mixed up with the cat and dog world and fostering and mm. blah, blah. And Sally Mon, a lady here who does bears in town, Idaho Black Bear. Oh, Sally, yes. Sally. So Sally was saving squirrels at that time. And my sister, who also does wildlife rehab, one of my older sisters, both of them do, but one of them here in Boise, uh, met Sally and somehow started helping her with squirrels. And then somehow I'd kind of moved back here. I'd been here for a while and I was pretty mixed up. We did Santa Paws at all the Zamzos. Okay. It was pretty busy. And decided we need to start a wildlife group uh, because nobody was helping local wildlife. So we started Animals in Distress in 87, just as a mammal mm -hmm. uh, re rehab group. So in 1987... You, your sister, and Sally started the Animals in Distress exactly. organization. And a few other gals that I don't, it, I don't know where they are now. Okay, uh, that's so interesting because there was nowhere for for native wildlife to go, like rescue wise, right? Call fishing game. Fishing game can't go out on calls all the time and be responsible for that unless it's you know a huge thing causing problems or whatever. So, mm -hmm. you know, we got our license, our state, and our our state permits to to do rehab and. And we just got started. And so just tell the audience, what are the types of animals that are coming in, native wildlife? And so we're in, and, and obviously my listeners know, we're based in Idaho, in the Boise, in, southwestern, you know, right. Idaho area. So what types of animals were you seeing that needed this rescue? Um, okay, your regular tree squirrels, obviously. There's okay. ground squirrels, cottontail rabbits, foxes, coyotes, mm -hmm. raccoons, uh, mink, mink? Uh, weasel, okay. um, We've had a few lynx, and we've had some bobcats, quite a few bobcats, mm -hmm. um, some cougar kittens, not too often, quite a few fawns. Wow. Um, well, lots of fawns and lots of adult deer calls, which sometimes they can't be helped and have to be uh -huh. put down. Uh, but we started as a mammal center because there was a lady in Boise named Ruth Melikar who did who lived up off a of mountain view. And when I was about 13, I think, she started here in about the 80s, I believe, too, in the early 80s. And she was doing birds, and then she got ill. Okay. And all our birds were taken away, and so, and we took them all. And so we decided that we needed to get into the bird business, mm -hmm. which is a whole different ball game than the mammal business, not to mention just the feeding of baby birds alone. Mm -hmm. So we started the Ruth Melikar Bird Center under the auspices of our wildlife group, Animals in Distress Association. And after about 10 of us feeding baby birds up and down our counters, you know, every 20 minutes mm -hmm. to 12 hours a Man. day, we needed to find a center. So we opened our first center in 97. Mm -hmm. um, and we were over on Cassia Street, and then we were up on Fairview for one year, and we moved into this building, into this old barn that had been remodeled by a Micron man in 2000. And we've been here since 2000. Okay. 
And that's why I say you are the hardest working person in wildlife. I mean, in wildlife rescue. Well, and I've just been at it so long and people just don't come to the forefront. That's yeah, but you just, but you're the only, I'm just saying you just work so hard and just with, with the dedication. And like you were just saying, like having to get up every two hours to feed baby birds or having, I mean that. Well, it's like every 20 minutes. That's what they do downstairs though. All yeah, summer long downstairs. from eight in the morning till eight at night. There's someone feeding baby birds and then getting other birds ready to get released and get taken out and. Yeah. I mean, just there's not a lot of people. Like, we need more people like you in the world. I mean, because well, I mean. it's different now, though, because women, most women work now and they're not home. I was fortunate to be able to be retired. I married an Air Force guy and he mm-hmm. retired. Um, as a matter of fact, my husband ran the shelter for 13 years because when we came back to Boise, um, he had his MBA and it was kind of falling apart on the board out there. My sister was on the board. So they got rid of everybody and he was supposed to run it for about three months until they could get back on their feet. And he was there 13 years. So he's the one that built the shelter that they're in now from the really old place that when my mother was wow. back in the 50s and 40s. And wow. 50s. You have seen some stuff. Well, it's, yeah, Gowan Field. I played out there in the old uh, army barracks, those old, in those old buildings. Yeah. They, during the war, they, they built that were up, raised off the ground. It was all stickery out there. Wow. Wow. So, you, now, so 31 years. So you've been just all different types of wildlife. What is your... I guess your f- favorite native animal we have here. And is that a too hard of a question? It's a really hard question. I, I specialize. I, I mean, I happen to have two coyotes, and I don't really specialize in them, but I seem to be the guy that seems to be taking them lately. But I specialize in badgers, bats, cottontails, and raccoons. Raccoons. So you... Raccoons. So I, I do a lot of raccoons. And yes. Yeah, you I, are the raccoon lady, if you don't mind me. Yeah, I am, and I have been forever. And I, <laughs> and, I, and the cottontails are the hardest, and I've already got my second baby this year. And it's really? It's only, you know, February, so that's kind of odd. So what is going on? I'm not, I'm not too familiar with cottontails. Why are people bringing you baby cottontails right now? Because they're being born. They're, I mean, yeah, like I mean obviously, yeah. <laughs> the cat, the cat gets them. Okay. Or they can't find the nest, because the best thing to do, unless you're going to keep your cat out and let it ravage nests all the time, but... Mm-hmm. If you know where the nest is and you don't think they're hurt and you don't find injury on them, you can usually get them back to their mom in a certain, you know, fashion. But uh, so it's usually a cat caught or the one I just got was found on the freeway on the side of the road. And that's, that's the only details I got on it. They're driving down the freeway. I don't even know where. And they see this. And it's about four inches long. Oh, my gosh. And so I rode and picked it up. And so now I have it. Wow. <laughs> so I just... That was an odd thing. But yeah. usually a dog or a cat or... It's in their yard by itself, and they shouldn't have picked it up, but mm-hmm. then they have animals, so they worry. Yeah, well, I think that's so cool. They're still good out there, matey. Someone stopped on the side of the well, freeway well, to get a cottontail. Right, well, how, I was wondering how fast they must have been driving. Right? Like 20 miles an hour, the people that make you crazy? Probably the people, like, driving here to get here because I was late for this interview. <laughs> this person was going five miles <laughs> an hour, exactly. and I'm yelling out the window, I have an interview! Yeah, yeah they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Uh, I don't think they're in listening. In the fast lane, you can't get, you yeah, can't yeah, get around Yeah, them. you can't do it. Wow. Okay. So back onto raccoons. Yeah. I love raccoons. And we met back in 2009 when I hosted my little public access show live with the reptile guy. Right. And you brought on a, uh, actually you brought on, I think one raccoon. Uh, channel seven. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. That, that, that was public access. Oh, oh yes. Okay, and, and we also did channel seven. Right. They raccoons, I think are so misunderstood. Talk about raccoons. Very really quick. Misunderstood. I adore them, but people don't like them. They're misunderstood. I would say mostly in the way that people perceive them, that they're going to kill their cats. You Let's know, put or some rumors to jump rest. on their kid or jump off of the roof that they see them on and jump on their head. Mm-hmm. What they will do, though, it is get into chicken coops if they're not, and a lot of things will get into chicken coops, not just raccoons, but 
and people let the chickens run free and forget to hold them up at night. But if you pen your chickens up at night properly, raccoons aren't going to get them. If you have a bird outside in a cage, you're probably asking for trouble with a little raccoon hand, being able to put it through the, the caging. Mm -hmm. And that goes the same with chickens also in the type of caging. But they will eat uh, food that's left out. And then in the 90s, everybody put in a six-inch uh, pond, mm. and about six inches deep, and then complained about the blue herons and the kingfishers and the mm -hmm. raccoons. So as I say to people, you can't throw candy in your driveway and tell the neighbor kids it's not for them. It just doesn't work. So... Um, it's like the bird feeders. You can't just attract yeah. certain birds and say you don't want this bird and that bird there. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work out. But I would, and we do not have rabies in any mammals in the state of Idaho except in bats, which is very rare. And I could go into that for hours. Yeah. So I was listening to this great podcast. It's called the All Creatures Podcast. Shout out there. But they had a bat expert on, and they were saying they, there was a study that just came out, and out of all the bats, all the bats, they did a study only. A minimal 0.5 percent. Less than one half of one percent yeah. of bats. Yes, for rabies, right? And also, it's not—they're not asymptomatic carriers mm -hmm. of rabies. If mm -hmm. they have rabies, they're going to die from it. And when they bite you, if they have rabies, if that virus is still in its leg and hasn't moved up through its saliva glands into its brain, it wouldn't affect you. But there's no way of knowing that. So mm -hmm. when people do get bitten or handle one, they usually have to be euthanized and tested. Yeah. And they were talking about on that podcast too, like, listen, a bat is not just going to come up and attack you. You either have to be drunk. No, they seriously said this, drunk. Right. <laughs> or either it's a young child or someone who is just completely messing with this. They not wouldn't just bite gonna... anybody unless yep. you're handling them. And yeah. that's the mistake that people do is they handle them. And just like anything, if you're handled by something 400 times your size, mm -hmm. you would be spitting and kicking and biting. Yeah, they're very docile creatures. I'm wondering over five. Oh, them. really? Over five? Right. And they talk about how, I mean, they're great for the insects. They're wonderful. Correct? And we're pesticiding them all to death slowly. Yeah. And then we've got this white nose syndrome that's a huge problem in, in bats in North America. So it's wiping out whole colonies. Huge colonies, yeah. Huge browns, colonies. Yeah, little browns. All kinds, but... Mostly little browns. What are they? What are they trying to do to prevent this? I mean, the white nose syndrome. You know, I mean, it's, is it's it... a fungus yes. that lives in yeah. cold rather than mm -hmm. in heat. And they've actually cured a couple. By what way, I don't know, because that's not my bailiwick. Okay. But uh, they have found they think maybe a cure, but it's a really slow process and expensive, and it means treating every bat inside of a cave. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they were saying, and this I'm not trying to bring the bring the mood down, right. but they were saying the researchers were just bawling when they would go to these colonies and every bat was just dead. Yeah. They just, just oh, came out bawling, just horrible. And that's, yeah, just so beneficial. Oh, they're wonderful creatures. Just, and, and I, yeah, same with the raccoons and stuff. And, you know, I live out. same with everything. It's like that really. cougar that was just shot. The scariest thing on the planet. Oh, I didn't like, even know it, but was like it here in Boise? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want to get nervous about something to get your kids, you need to worry about humans, I think. I mean, you yeah. don't read about, unless you're up in the, if you're up in the foothills and a snake gets you or something, I mean, you're asking, that's where they live. Mm-hmm. But, you know, things just don't go around. You don't read about Dogs kill more people in this country than wildlife. Yeah, and cows, too. You're right. more likely to be hit by, you know, kicked by a, a cow, cow or die or by lightning Maybe. than bitten by a snake or but being attacked. But it's just the fear. It's just ignorance and being scared of the unknown, I think. Mm -hmm. We just did a great, actually, our highest rated podcast was our Wolf podcast. We did a podcast, Wolf was. 1 and 2. And I just opened up a can of worms on my Facebook and was like, hey, what do you guys think about wolves? Oh, I'll bet you didn't like that. <laughs> not in this state that wouldn't be people, good people well, it's, well my audience is different i mean i think i'm more half and half i mean because you're still going to get the people that tell oh, everyone of yeah. them how to be dead people are aggressive and they're 
telling you know other people off and swearing and people are writing stuff on emotion. Then you have people not stating to mention facts. what their name usually is in their address or uh-huh. their pictures. You know, yeah. in an AK forty seven or something. Oh yeah. So, but here's the deal. I, for me to be, I'm you know working on my interview skills as a podcast. I wanted to see both sides. So I had on someone from the Wolf Conservation Center in upstate New York. I wanted to get. Basically, I, I wanted to... One of each. Yeah, yeah, Both one of each. And then I had a hunter come over to the house. And it's interesting. I actually learned from the hunter. He's a res, you know respectable right. hunter and, and outdoorsman. And act, I actually learned a lot. But uh, some of the misconceptions with wolves, you know, they've only killed two people out of this whole... It's Ever. insane. It and, is insane. And just, I think recently, there were some spotted over here, correct? A, a pack in like a neighborhood. Um, well, that's what they say. I often wonder about people in their coyote sightings oh. as opposed to a wolf sighting. And oh no, I, and they tell all the time, but I just don't think wolves are hanging around too much. I mean, we had a really mild winter, especially this winter. Mm-hmm. Maybe that horrible winter last year, things come down lower, but I don't. No, I don't. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, and people were writing like, "I'm going to lock my kids up and my dogs," and it's just like, guys, it's not as you know. Except there are people have little dogs out, and there's coyotes out, and there's foothills. I mean, it's like, yeah. What do you, What do you expect? That is you true. Keep your little dog in. You've moved into the foothills. Boise didn't used to be like it is today with yeah. houses all over, and then we don't want anything there. We love nature, and we want to get out away from everybody, but. We don't need that other stuff that could be there that could bother us. Yeah, and I think it's like learning how to coexist. It is peaceful coexistence, but I wish I've been working at that for thirty-one years. <laughs> Have fun. You've gotten better. <laughs> I know you. You told me way back in the day. You said you're going to hate people by the end of doing this, or right. something you, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's you know, it's learning how to coexist. And I live in a very rural area. Which, by the way, right. you've, you're more than welcome to come out. But you said you'd never come out. Well, where do you say? Where do you say I live? I, I live out hell and gone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That must be an old-fashioned expression, Helen so God. I was... <laughs> about Marsing, right? I got, yeah, about right. Marsing the Snake River. I got, yeah, that's the Helen God. I got, I, I got flack because they interviewed me for the for the local paper, the Hawaii Avalanche, and I said, oh, I love Marsing. I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. And someone wrote me and said, really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, I live on the river, and anyway, but yeah. back... You have the same misconceptions, though, about, the, you know, snakes. And oh, about, I hate that. And any type of lizard thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's really bad. And snakes, and it's so bad where I live, um, just off Old Bruno Highway. So many are hit on the oh, road. And people probably like to hit them on purpose. They do. And there was a study that someone did at Boise State sure. years ago, and they found that people do mainly young males will like try to hit them on purpose. And so I, I young love. Males. Yeah, I know, right? I love the springtime, but it's my least favorite for wildlife, especially snakes. I am rescuing so many gopher snakes, and it's oh. it's it kills me. Like these big, beautiful snakes that just got out of hibernation. They eat mice and eat gophers and eat. That's why they yes. got that name, gopher snake, you know, yeah. bull snake, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, they're just beautiful. And well, <clears> so what about? But the other problem with snakes is that people get a snake and then they take it miles away and they go back to their same den, don't they? Every uh, year? Well, I think it depends. Yes, I mean yes and no. But and you and I actually talked about this because I will take them away. I will take them away from Old Bruno and move them to my to to the property a few right. miles up the road, just because I think it's a complete. It's I know safer. it's a complete death trap. But what about? Don't they? Do they? Or am I just crazy? Because I don't know. I always thought they have want to go back to their den at the same time. They do. Some some species will, but I believe I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be as bad, let's say, of of of, of like moving a snake than like let's say a mammal or right, like or, exactly. or, or like a raccoon. People are always removing <clears throat> things and they don't uh-huh. understand. They can't put their own self in the position to wonder why it doesn't work. Yeah, I just I think one of my and I I get a lot of calls. I'm so happy you removed me from the snake call list. Cause <laughs> <laughs> Did you put me on? I didn't put you on. Somebody must. I didn't. Who put, put me on? Because I would get all these. <laughs> 
<laughs> I got these calls years ago. Because you say it was always Frank. Yeah, 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 but I would get calls and people would say, well, there's a snake in my yard. And I'm like, well... Yeah, so? That's what I want to say. Yeah, so, and what? Like, what do you want me to do? You need to get it out of here right now. Yeah. I can't go out the door. I've got kids, you know? Yeah. That's what I always hear. Yeah? You do? Yeah. Why don't you go look on the internet and teach them how cool this thing is out there? Why is he getting Mm -hmm. warm on your sidewalk or something Mm -hmm. and make it an education experience? Yeah, I don't think that's really frustrating for me because I don't know, you know, I mean, they're... You know, once again, beneficial for backyards. But you're right. Like, what are you going to do? You know, like, they get all caught up now. We, I mean, we got about 10 snakes out of uh, that bird netting that they're putting on their garden. That's what you were saying. Now, yeah. I've, I've never rescued one. So tell listeners about that. Well, it's it's um, people put bird netting over some of their plants because they got quail or they got mm-hmm. birds pecking at their new strawberries or at their mm-hmm. seeds or whatever it may be. And, you know, snakes are wandering around at night looking for rodents to eat. And they get caught up in that. In that stuff, and the more they struggle, it just tightens and tightens and cuts mm-hmm. into their skin. And if we get to them soon enough, we can get them out of there and mm-hmm. rehab them and get them back in the wild. But mm-hmm. it's just kind of dangerous. It's you know, it's like keep. It's just like using poisons all the time to keep our grass green. We have to keep doing it because something's not working. So just yeah. get some weeds and natural stuff because there's not much left. No, <clears throat> and 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 the poisoning. I mean, with the issue, we have a big issue where I live, where we have. Uh, I think are, are, are they sparrows that the farmers poison, or the, the blackbirds? They're starlings. 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 And it was awful because we have outdoor exhibits in the summertime. Right, and then you came out and saw a huge thing of dead birds all well, over the ground. Well, dead birds, but no, they would land in our animal exhibits and our alligators. Were, and we actually witnessed one of my alligators eating one of the starlings. Right. And anyway, and it was, I just, I was like, oh my goodness, I freaked out. I don't know if I contacted you. I contacted somebody because I just was like, what do I do? Because it's. You can't have these things eating. You don't know how much it's going through the food. Yeah. And I, I, I know chompers, a, s- several it. of them. And so she's fine. The alligator's fine. But what a horrible poison. It, it, it's a horrible way to die. I oh, mean, it's a I've, horrible way to die. Usually they go out and feed it. The, like Simplot did a lot of it over in Napa Caldwell uh-huh. where they go out and feed in their, in their bins. Uh-huh. I'm not supposed to use names. No, you're fine. Names. Go ahead. Um, because it's the truth anyway, it's a long time ago. And then the, they come back and, and they're roosting site and then they just drop all over on the ground and die or fall out of the mm-hmm. sky. I mean, it happened over on where Apple meets Federal Way once. Mm-hmm. Not Apple, but um, whatever that street is going down the hill by mm-hmm. Zamso's on Federal Way. And, and a tr- gal from Channel 7 called and there were just hundreds of dead birds. And once at Cloverdale uh, Nursery, we were looking for a tree once and I mean, all kinds of birds, and they just a poison, and it goes through the. Yeah, I mean, so and that goes on. That isn't ever going to end. It's horrible. Yeah, and, and starlings because they're not native. Uh huh. It just depends. Neither are some of our game birds native, and neither are some of our raptors. You know, squirrels were brought here by Fish and Game. I know Department of Fish and Game introduced the eastern fox squirrel to Boise, our, our big brown squirrel. Interesting, because I asked that at Boise State. I was like, and they told me that they didn't know where they came from. They came from a fishing game, and I don't know who. And okay. somebody old-timer would know that. It isn't something they probably want to admit, I yeah. would think. Yeah, but so, so what's the eastern fox squirrel? It's we called not. the eastern fox squirrel. It wouldn't be native here. Yeah. I don't know what we would have in the way of a tree squirrel, because we only have ground squirrels, two mm-hmm. kinds of ground squirrels. Mm-hmm. And then the pine squirrel, that's really more Garden Valley mm-hmm. or McCall. And the flying squirrel, which I and the yeah. and the uh, golden mantle. Did you did you come across a lot of flying squirrels in your in your rescue or? They uh, we more? probably that I know of maybe done about four or five. Okay, okay. so that's not a lot. In right, and they years. usually come down. They get chipmunks. Oh, chipmunks too. We get quite a few chipmunks that get into a a um, RV or whatever, and people are mm. camping. And then they come down, and sometimes we have the moms, and they don't know it, and they've made a nest. Even mm-hmm. people have only been up somewhere for like three days mm-hmm. for some reason the chipmunk and has babies. So we raise lots of those, and then they go back up to the, where they belong. 
for a, a soft release. That's interesting with the Eastern Fox Roll. Just to get back to it, it's yeah. crazy because they've made it all the way out to to where I live in Marcy, and it's like yeah. how the same way they end up here. Say, we have one here, right? Oh, you have people one, yeah. trap things, which uh-huh. is horrible, and dump them places. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, and we feed them naturally, and they yeah. get bird seed because we've got it all over the place. And they made, I mean, but why do you think they were brought here by fishing game out of curiosity? What was the point? Just I mean, my guess would be it's something we didn't have. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, and I don't. I mean, as a little kid, I know we had squirrels, but I really can't remember, you know. About, uh-huh. I don't know when that happened. It makes me want to think it happened like in the 60s or 70s because when the Hull's Gulch first was tried to be Hull's Gulch, they were selling fishing game or mm-hmm. some, there were some T-shirts involved for sale. And there was a like a silhouette of a fishing game guy and a little squirrel. Huh. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, they have done well since then. The They've Eastern Fox, well. and those of you for wondering, the Eastern Fox ones, those are just the ones you see everywhere. Yeah, New York City, yeah, yeah, the brown ones well, everywhere. Well, like Seattle, they're the gray squirrel, but they're oh, gray squirrel. Okay, right, and they have a white belly, but they all the same. They have the big bushy tail, the big bushy tail, and they're tree squirrels. Okay, so a bunch of native wildlife. You know, we've covered bats, raccoons. Any facts you want to talk about? Well, let's like start with raccoons that maybe some people don't know. Okay, um, I do probably about. 40 or 50 raccoons a season. Okay. I'm wintering over 11 right now. Um, Raccoons, uh, females get pregnant in about January, and the males are wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Okay. So she has her babies after about 60 days, and she gets somewhere in an attic if she can or under a house. They're infamous for getting under mobile homes where they can creep in there through that skirting. Because the male raccoons, like a male tomcat, will kill the brand new babies and literally just tear them to pieces so that they can breed again. So that she's usually in hiding. And then they stay with her, clear through, like in about October, November, her male babies get sent off. And they're about half grown, and they have to go find their own territory. And they get the crap beat out of them by other coons because they're trying to find their niche. Mm-hmm. And then the raccoons attack them because everything's territorial. Uh, and then her babies stay her female babies stay with her until the following spring oh interesting. and then when she has her babies again sometimes she takes her babies out at early as six weeks but usually about seven or eight weeks and then after about eight or nine weeks she's on the move and we'll probably change her den but she 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 often you'll see a mother out with her teenage daughters from the year before and her brand new and her new babies that are only like eight weeks old but then like if you see them on a regular basis she'll notice that those half-grown ones are gone now. Those are females that she said, now you got to go find your, okay. your so, way. So the males are kicked out to disperse, of course, to spread their genes. But what's interesting right. with you is, and I don't know, I mean, I guess when we first met, I didn't know a lot about the raccoon rescue, but I mean, it's not as easy. I guess some people will contact you and say, well, can't you just relocate this raccoon here? And you said, no, it's very difficult. Explain well, more. It's like, well, because I have to explain it in the way of relocating anything. And I have to explain mm-hmm. it in the way of a human. So people can get their, wrap their head around it. Mm-hmm. It took me years to try to figure out some way to explain it to people. But everything has a territory just like, like humans do. And it, yours is your house, pretty much, in your yard. And so if somebody decided that they wanted to be here and live in your house because they didn't have anywhere to live, they kidnapped you at night, blindfolded you, and dumped you in another nice neighborhood, maybe in South Dakota or in Oregon or wherever. And now you're, you've been released and your blindfold's off and you look around and... You, your first concern, as any type of a, of a living being, is food, water, and shelter. Mm-hmm. So every door you knock on, or people are going to tell you, "You, I live here, Get who are you, buddy? Get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. So if you're lucky, you'll find an empty house to live in and a way to have, get your food and everything, if you don't starve to death first. 
And that's what happens with wildlife, is just relocating them, sending them out, which, which looks like a nice area. People are always taking things to the river for some odd reason, as if no other wildlife lives at the river. Mm -hmm. Or, or they take things out, and they've taken raccoons out in the desert, which they are not desert animals, or, you know, just, they just don't think very well about it. But they don't want them in their neighborhood. And if I remove one, it's not too long, especially if they're attracting them for some reason or another with cat food or chickens or, or they happen to live out, like, you know, out to Helen gone. No, mm -hmm. <laughs> somewhere that has habitat for them, and that's usually water and trees mm -hmm. and berries and fruit and fish or bugs and worms and things like that. Um, they're just going to have another one again and again and again. And so a lot of people are, well, I don't care, I'll continue to kill them again and again or trap them and remove them, and so... You just have to put up with that uh, mm. because you're not going to change a lot of people's minds. That would be so hard. And we live in such a, just a rural area, just in Idaho. I feel like, I don't know, there's, a, you know, there's a bunch of animal lovers, but there's also a bunch of people who like to hunt, trap, and fish. And it's, I don't mind hunting at all. Yeah. Hunting, if you eat it. I don't care if you kill, shoot your own mother if you eat her. You're going to waste. <laughs> oh or your dog. Or your dog. <laughs> Just shooting things for the for, for the fun. I don't yeah, get it. yeah. I mean, there was a thing in the paper the other day with how oh, whatever thirty, forty, fifty Canada geese just left to to rot. Or mm. I mean, you know, give them to us. We can feed them to foxes and coyotes and things. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I have nothing against hunting either. I mean, right. I don't personally do it, but if, if you're eating, if you're eating the animal, sure, I, I think it. it's a heck of a lot better than eating like a hamburger that we would get at a restaurant. Well, it's certainly they they have a much nicer life a wild animal does than our factory farming yeah. animals have. Yeah, I don't like like just the hunting for sport. And I was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, near the um, Oregon and, and Idaho border, and I went to this little gas station. It looked like it, you know, came straight out of the 1930s. Right. And they had this poster of like this varmint contest to see how many badgers you could kill, how many um, other you know foxes, and it was like this contest. And I'm like, what? That goes on a lot. You're, well, you mentioned before, Corbin, about uh, understanding something. I can't remember what it was, but it reminded me of the, you know, the bunny bopping. I don't know that happened in the 80s over in eastern Idaho. Because the rat jackrabbits were getting into into haze and everything, uh -huh. and they we were world renowned. So all farmers and their kids and had baseball bats, and they'd round oh up all these God. and run them into, and they had fences up so they get them all corralled, and then they they beat them to death with baseball bats, and it was all over everywhere. So a fellow from the University of Utah who was going to help us with our website a few years ago came out here, and he was doing something on that bunny bopping thing, and actually showed me some footage of the damage that they did to haystacks, which educated me in a way I hadn't, because it was like, oh, the bunny bopping, that's our reputation, and it's so awful, and these people, and it was awful the way it happened, uh -huh. but the devastation to these people's fields was something I couldn't even fathom without seeing the pictures really? of them. Really? Very bad. Oh, my God. I yeah. mean, not to mention just huge haystacks that just have, they're just eaten down to nothing. Huh. And, and nubbins, and so, you know, that affects their livelihood, but the problem with that was... We probably shot all the coyotes. You know, we're always, it's like we're doing this wolf thing up in northern Idaho with elk because we want to make sure that elk are everywhere, wherever humans want to hunt elk. We want to make sure that there's not a shortage, not that it couldn't be natural because predators never decimate their own prey. Mm -hmm. You know, wolves would never kill every elk so there wasn't another one. That just isn't what they been around did. for thousands of years. They've been doing fine without us. Exactly, and, and the elk have been doing fine, and everybody does just fine, but... 
you know, I mean, we're going to have more depredation on wolves again this year, just passed again. So yeah, it, it, it just makes me sick. And I don't think even with coyotes, I feel like, and you know what coyotes, man, they're, they're the, they have held on. They're one of the most, <laughs> oh, well, right. You, we haven't been able to decimate no. them totally. But the other thing about coyotes is we had a, a, you may or may not know about the mange outbreak several years ago. It's kind of about right around the time the West Nile thing hit all the corvids and it was hitting horses and, and the squirrels got hit with West Nile pretty mm-hmm. badly. But so there was a huge mange outbreak with foxes and coyotes, and we were getting calls from all over, you know, wild ones, and they lost all their hair. It's a terrible death, and it's, it's just awful. So it decimated a lot of them. I had about 60 cottontails last year. 60? 60, which is a, I usually do maybe 15. Wow. So, so and I think it's because we wiped out the, the predators, mm-hmm. the mange did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the prey base just exploded. But that'll all come back into balance again. But that's what happened with all those rabbits out there. They killed every coyote they could find. And then the rabbits exploded because that's a main diet of coyotes. Yeah, and that's just – and coyotes, like I said, they're just – and, and, and that so research – they're timid. They wouldn't go bite anybody. And I was like reading. They're like what? They could be 40 pounds, a little bit – like they're or a lot – 30, 40. They're a lot smaller than I think what people – Well, foxes – the biggest fox on record is 15 pounds. It's all fur. 15 pounds? 15 pounds. Most household cats and foxes weigh about the same. Like your average little two-year-old female fox would be wow. about eight pounds. And I remember I learned a lot in the wolf podcast because the number one argument, sorry to get back on the wolves, oh, no, but right. this is, you know, we're talking about predators mm-hmm. is people thought, oh, we have a more aggressive species. They're 250 pounds of the same species. And they were talking about like the heaviest wolves, like maybe 135 pounds. And that was a big wolf. Right. That was something that was like record wise. But they said I the females, what 80... Weinstein weighs. <laughs> 300 pounds. <laughs> It's not looking good for Harvey Weinstein. No, that's good. I, 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 yeah, right. Yeah, anyway, but uh, <laughs> that'd be scary. Yeah, exactly what I'm talking about here, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd rather have 25 wolves after me. Then Harvey happen. Weinstein? Yeah, oh, my exactly. goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we both just shake. Anyway, with that said, yeah. but the most interesting thing about coyotes is that when you kill a coyote, and I told you about this research in National Geographic, they publish uh, coyotes. Oh, coyote. uh-huh. Coyotes. When you kill a so basically when a coyote calls at night or howls, I right. guess, they're doing a population census. And if they are able to, if they notice that there are maybe less coyotes or something, they're one of the few animals that can can control the number of pups they'll produce. Yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me because animals are so much better than we are at those sort of things. Yeah, I was right. shocked. They're one of the only animals. I'm sure there's more animals that were yet to discover this behavior. Yeah. So when you kill a coyote, you're only adding on to the problem. They're just you're going to add more and more coyotes, and that's why. They're... See, and that makes sense because a predator needs prey, and they uh-huh. know if the food's slow or this and that, mm-hmm. and know when to slow it down or yeah. pick it up. I yeah. don't think I have two coyotes right now. I'm wondering. It's, they're a long story. What one's not even releasable, but they're like crazy animals. Yeah, go into it because uh, please go into the two coyotes you have. Oh well, I got from I got a call this summer from a, a gal who had two coyotes that she'd gotten somewhere. Nobody ever quite tells you quite where everything happened with, but oh, yeah. according to her, there were six coyote pups. Mm-hmm. Parents shot mm-hmm. the other ones, dug up the babies, and they got all split up with people. And one guy had two, and then they were dead within just a couple of days. Wait, wait, had... split up for pets? Yeah, for pets, just given to people. Oh, oh that goes on all the time with raccoons all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. It's pretty yucky. And then I get called about six months later that they can't do it anymore. And... Oh, my God. But um, anyway, so a lady brought me two that she got from somebody and got one away from. So she brought me two, and the other four were all got dead somehow, or mm-hmm. they don't know where they went or something. So... When I got them, um, 
their eyes were just open, and she'd done a pretty good job taking care of them. Mm -hmm. And their eye, one of them's eyes didn't look too good, and I thought it looked like it was blind. One especially looked bad, so I took them to the vet. Um, I took them to Coob, whom you know. Dr. Coob. Yeah, I took them to <laughs> And, oh, you know, they were blind, and it didn't look good, so that was depressing. So I had an opportunity to send them up to Wazoo, Washington State University, through a rehabber up in Moscow who's friends with some Wazoo doctors. And they looked at it for me, and there was nothing that could be done, and they were just done. So my original plan was to probably euthanize the blind one if I got another coyote, because I have two boys. Mm -hmm. They were brothers, and I didn't want to raise one alone. Well, I never got any more last season. Mm -hmm. So so I still have the blind one and the other one, and they are wild as hell. And I have a, they're taking up my biggest enclosure that okay. I have, which I'd like to have raccoons in it, because I have 11 of those. But... Um, and they're just crazy, and I don't have tons of logs. Like, I had a couple of logs in there, so the little the blind one could learn its way around. Uh -huh. And it does just fine, but it can't be released. But yeah. they're, they're the wildest, craziest animals in 31 years I've ever dealt with. Because they jump all over. They're just crazy. Is that why you don't ever really see them at zoos? Or, like, well, I never Maybe, see them in captivity? Well, and it's horrible. You don't want to, either. Yeah, I mean, know. but I've never... And I know they're not, like, the big yeah, iconic... Yeah, they just pace and they jump they around and really. act really strange. I, the last... I, I had... Well, I've had quite a few in the last few years, but Dr. Rosenthal from the Humane Society had to come and dart uh, a couple of them for us, even though we set live traps in the uh -huh. cage and, you know, didn't even set it, with, set it so they could go in and out and get their food, and they're just too smart. I think they've been maligned for so long in the metal department with traps, steel jaw traps, and that they won't go on anything metal. Okay. So they're just crazy. And, you know, and mind you, and Mady, once again, if you're just tuning in, uh, Mady, you know, from Animals in Distress, because you helped me out. Sometimes we'll do local press here, like we'll do the radio station, right. Mix 106. And I remember I asked about coyotes, if we could ever bring the pups, and you actually brought well, them brought, last those year. Were them too. Those were you did, too. but I thought it remember was. How little they, were? they were so little. So, they look beautiful now. They're the prettiest coyotes that, you know, you've ever seen. Anywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but now that you, we would never be able to do that. In the radio station, they're going. No, they're, yeah, they're, no, that was just like adult raccoons or anything. Yes, know, exactly. yeah, yeah. The bats are okay. Yes, so and and so your goal, just for the listeners, is that your goal is to re-release these animals. You're oh, not wanting to keep, keep. We don't keep any of them, and that upsets people. Out. We might get something in that's not releasable. If mm -hmm. a, a raccoon's lost his leg to a steel jaw leg hole trap, mm. oh, okay. I mean, who wants to live in captivity? I don't want to live in my bathroom the rest of my life. You know, mm -hmm. if somebody feeds me and maybe cleans up after me once in a while, so. Everything is to be released. And almost, I, you know, the biggest percentage of ours, we do soft releases on mammals. Like my raccoons, I have a couple places, one over by Middleton and some up in northern Idaho. What is a soft release? That's when an animal goes into another enclosure at the release site. So, and it stays in there for a week mm -hmm. or two and gets used to its surroundings and what's passing around at night. And they're fed and they have a nest box in there. And then you, the cage door is opened. And they can come and go as they please. They might want to go, raccoons especially, might leave for two weeks to a month and then come back. So there's always food for them back there. And then we usually do a spring release. But if we do a fall release, food is left out all winter even. Even okay. though other animals get it, but they come back and do it. And that's a soft release. So rather than just, okay, I've raised you in a cage and now you could just go do your own thing. Have you ever been so attached to an animal to where it's like, oh, it's like so hard to see you go? Like, Um... I don't know. Maybe a badger. Okay. Um, I adore badgers. I do so many raccoons, and they are about, they're like our little North American monkeys. They're just adorable. Um, Talk about their hands. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, they're really dexterous, and so their uh -huh. hands are really busy. They're kind of like taking care of a 
two-year-old retarded child. Sometimes they're into everything and and they're smart and they do very cute things. And, and they're their cute hands to look are so at. dexterous and they're so soft. And they're like leather. They always yes. and they remain soft even as adults. They remain really soft. They're not all. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes a cat after he gets older, his pads are all sort of mm-hmm. roughed up, and their hands are always mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, and they use those hands to search for prey, like. Well, they they dig they they feel for fish or feel uh-huh. for snails or or, mm-hmm. or dig for um for earthworms. They're huge mm-hmm. earthworm eaters. Oh, really? Like nuts. Yeah, they love worms. So they would bugs. be good for like a garden almost. I mean, well, they might eat the fruit or your vegetables. Well, yeah, they don't eat any. People always say they got. I said no, they didn't get into your fruit, your vegetables. They may eat. They're just like a bird. Take a couple of bite of an apple or something and it gets knocked off the tree mm-hmm. or cherries. But grapes, they love. And if you have grapes, they will get into those so you usually want to beat them to the punch on that okay okay they adore grapes so let's talk about badgers because they have a horrible reputation they have a terrible and they are the one of the most docile a raccoon it, even compared to a bobcat i've never handled an adult cougar but bobcats and raccoons are probably the hardest to handle because of their mouth and because of they got four legs that work very well and their ankles turn 180 degrees and they claw you and it's like a feral cat Hmm. And a badger, um, those claws are only for digging. So if you g- grab a badger by the scruff of the neck, his whole his his feet just go limp, and it, all he has is his mouth. So if you get him up high enough, and he can't turn and bite you, but he doesn't just snap his Maybe mouth. You are a badass. I'm sorry. Oh, you are badgers are easy piece of cake, and people are scared to death of them. They're, and they chase people too, and they'll run after you, and they'll bite uh-huh. at stuff. They'll uh-huh. bite at um, tires and things like that. But they're. I just adore them. I mean, I, and when I get a baby one, I had a baby one last year, it's even more exciting. So for those of you just, I mean, wonder, and we're going to post a picture of you, but Mady, you are like five foot. No, yes. <laughs> well, you weigh like what, 95 pounds? I don't like, weigh very much. But you don't weigh I'm much? skinny now. You are all skinny. Oh, no, but you know, but age. you're very healthy. No, but I'm just saying, I just can't imagine. It's just so insane that you pick up these animals and you are a true. It's just easy to do though. It's almost, I it's scary at first because we're all self-taught because there wasn't anything going on there. So it's you put a net over them and you scruff them, you know, like you do a, uh-huh. like you would do anything. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to go out with you on on a on like a badger call you because should, I'm yeah, telling you what great. though, like yeah, I mean I'm just. It, it's that when they're in a hole, it's difficult because if you don't have water, you can't. You know, that's hard sometimes. Yeah, we just grab them by the scruff of the. I mean, this you is obviously you get them up by the close to their head as opposed to farther back, so they uh-huh. can't. Yeah. Turn. But these things with those three-inch claws just do just that. They just, do. The, just the digging. And, I mean, I've seen a dog on a chain and a badger run right past them and stop, sniff noses, and the badger just keeps going. I mean, they wouldn't attack a dog or a cat or mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. anything like that. Their main diet is what they dig up. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times a coyote stands behind a badger, so the badger's down there digging, digging, digging. Oh, yeah, digging, yeah, yeah. And then he digs I've out the that. thing, and then the coyote grabs it. I've heard that. Well, it's like one of the few instances where you have two predators working together. Right. I and don't the know badger if they getting screwed. Yeah, I, I, guess, exactly. I guess it's kind of a, you know, not a... Yeah, they're pretty cool, and they get shot all the time just because <sighs> they're a badger, and they're just... People say they're the meanest animal on the planet. Like, you know, I mean, people talk about that with the wolverines. The meanest animal on the planet, again, as I said, Humans. looks like you and my husband. Yeah. And a few other people. Yeah, and a few other ones. Yeah. I just think they're so fascinating. And oh, I, 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 I hate they're that. And they're beautiful. beautiful, and you people out here in the desert, and I mean, everywhere, let's go out and one shoot them. the radio station? I didn't. Yes, one. I one. I did. Yes, yeah. you did. Now, the I baby. hope you. Is there a secret place, and don't say this over the podcast, obviously, but that you, where you take the badgers? Because you wouldn't release them out on, near a shooting range by any means, or. No. Oh, okay, great. Um, okay. <laughs> the mics pick up a lot. So, <laughs> okay. And the reason it's great is, I'll uh-huh. tell you why, is because first of all, people walk their dogs and everything up there. And you think, oh my God, 
I have never had a complaint about a badger. All our Great. badger calls usually come from the south, south side. We pick them up around the mall area all the time. Pick one up at TJ Maxx. Pick really? Them up at the movie theater. In really strange places. So they're trying, they're leaving the South Desert and then they've got a long ways to go. So I have never, ever had a badger call on a wild badger call ever from the north side. Where, for where ever. you Ever. And where I release them, I've never had a complaint from any homes up there, which there aren't very many, or any people, because a badger's not interested in looking at a dog or anything. Uh huh. You know, they used to be uh, diurnal animals and now they're nocturnal just because of humans. Is it just, yeah, just, yeah, just because of us? Right. <laughs> Just because Man, of us, exactly. Yeah, that is just, yeah, that's so interesting. And, and I didn't realize that I was, when I grew up, I was taught that badgers are mean animals. Right, mean, and, and they'll the, come up and get you. They'll and come up and you get you and, and, and chew you to pieces. Can I tell you a story? And this yes. is my dad. He was in the uh, military. Hey, dad. And someone, this is, this is what he told me. Um, one of his fellow, I don't know, friends or something or uh -huh. whatever, uh, had to go to the restroom in the <laughs> desert and used a badger hole and ended up having to get stitches in his behind. Well, why would they be pooping <laughs> in a badger hole? I mean, yeah. Now, wait a minute. So here's, here's where you're going to poop, you guys, soldiers, out of their bivouac. Are you kidding me? So they're out of bivouac. Here, and there's a badger hole over there. Just go put your bottom there. The hell, so, it serves it right. <laughs> Lesson of the day. That's a not, story. That yeah. is a story. I think it's a tall tale. You think so? I'm going to talk to my dad. He said he had to get stitches, but maybe I'll, I'll talk to him again and see. <laughs> because it would be quite, because they have a jaw that's um, that's amazing. I mean, I had one get a hold of my thumb once under a car. Uh -huh. the, the garage that used to be where the Bon Marche, there's a parking garage, okay. and then the Skywalk. Uh -huh. There was uh -huh. one in that, and I, anyway, and so and I got, and then he got a hold of my thumb, and I thought, oh boy. It was still there, but I didn't know if it would be or not. It's oh, all, it's your been thumb? sort of smashed and weird ever since. You still have all your it's fingers. So funny, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you were such a brave but, person. I couldn't imagine. But they're not. <laughs> raccoons are way scarier. Way, way scarier. They even get my heart pumping before I even get started. Badgers get my heart pumping after I'm done. Mm -hmm. The adrenaline thing. Mm -hmm. So you lived in Alaska. Uh -huh. I moved up there in '78 to. What part? Uh, Anchorage. Anchorage. Mm -hmm. Did you love it? I couldn't. I couldn't stand it. It's just Anchorage is just a kind of an ugly city, uh -huh. and it was right after the pipeline, and they were starting the gas line. So there are all these people. Mind you, this is '78. It was the era of the leisure suits. Mm -hmm. So everybody in Alaska was either from Texas or Oklahoma, and they all come up to Alaska to be survivors, you know, and talk about the uh -huh. lower forty-eight and just weird. It was strange. And oh. I went for a TV station. I took a big cut in pay, and I shipped a car up there, my Mustang, and. I took a huge cut in pay and paid about twice as much rent as I did in the city. Which How is much was now. rent back in the day in Alaska? Except, oh, in Alaska? Oh, I probably paid about 200 a month for a little one-bedroom. Wow. Downtown Alaska. That's... But I was paying 135 in San Francisco, right in Knob Hill. So Man, back and in the day. now it's about 1200 bucks a month, a studio. But it's all changed. <laughs> yeah, I, um, my dream would be to go to Alaska, just to see a, the wildlife. Well, and you need to get everywhere. I, I only got as far... I will say north is Mount McKinley, so mm -hmm. I never got to, um, I would have liked to have gone to Nome, I would have liked to have gone over, but I did see lots of, I did get to go in quite a few airplanes and helicopters and stuff, so that was cool. Did you see grizzly bears? I saw grizzly bear at Mount McKinley. Oh, moose? <laughs> I saw a lot of moose. Moose get hit all the time by trains up there and in Canada, as you know. Okay. They get whacked all the time. Oh my God. Okay, yes, yeah, I had uh, Aaron uh, Couch on, he was, uh, he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. 
believe episode 15 or 16 anyway but he lived in alaska he worked at an emergency vet clinic oh cool and i was telling him about like how excited i am to, to see a bald eagle outside my back door and he said man in alaska they're like pigeons oh, they're all over the place yeah they're all over he said they're in like eating out of the dumpsters in a, in a mcdonald's parking lot that's how bad or not bad the bald eagles but how they're just everywhere yeah they're all over the place so you don't even think about it i guess but that's when too you see the Salmon spawning. When I first got up there in March during spring break up and the Iditarod was just uh-huh. finishing. This is seventy eight, right? And so I I'd ship my I'd ship my Mustang up there by boat and I was going over to the place to get it and you had to cross over some little river and I stopped on the bridge or something and I saw all these little kids down there and they're just throwing rocks at all these spawning salmon. Oh and it just made me wacko job you know and i think i went down to the local's paper and nobody even really cared but it was like oh my god you know, they just struggled and struggled and then and they go through the ocean they go through this lifeline they were just just yeah. trying to kill just, them or just well because their parents were allowing them to throw rocks on it wouldn't be i mean they're half dead up there anyway so you know you could walk across the river on their backs probably like you used to be able to do here in idaho that makes me sick I, I just yeah that whole journey i mean they survived everything exactly and then and just then to that. be thrown by, yeah, I would be so, I mean, yeah, I've, I've yelled at people at zoos before who were like yelling at the lions or, I mean, like screaming and, and, or and tapping, banging, and, banging, I have, yeah, banging, yeah, yeah. like to bang their heads in. And it's funny though, cause people don't like being called out. So, I mean, I've like said something. Parents and, don't like their kids being called out either. No. Right. No. It's like how this kid climb over the fence and get eaten by the lion. Oh and yeah. It's the bad. Lion. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. I mean, what, what kind of a place is allowing the, the I mean, how does that happen? Yeah, yeah. They but people were, leave their kids in back seats of cars all the time too, and leave all them the time. All day, so what, oh. I don't know. And guns in their bedroom drawer. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so back on to <laughs> Alaska was great. Make sure to check out Anchorage. Alaska was great, and I, I was working on getting a low cost spay and neuter clinic going up there. Uh-huh. I paid ninety dollars in nineteen seventy eight to have a cat spayed. Ninety. Now th- that's nothing now, but at the time it was like. That's a lot. Well, that was almost your rent. (laughs) Well, I have to go to rent. They finally got one, I guess, but I left by that time. Yeah, so So you're just done with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm done with that. You're done with that. Okay, okay. So back onto the wildlife. So years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but we, uh, someone called me because they had a skunk that they trapped. And I was going to go and help and do this. And I had no idea what to do. And you said, skunks are so easy. Yeah, they are easy. Not for me. Because my sister's the one who does skunks. But did I explain to you? Because I probably knew. Yes. Well, you said, okay, promise. They very rarely will spray. Get a big white sheet. Oh, and walk towards Yeah. And, and then Slowly. walk towards it. Oh, it started spraying. <laughs> but you were clomping. You were clomping through dry grass. I'm something. sure I was. No, right, I'm sure. You have to just creep with it. You're the walking sheet. A walking sheep. Okay. And you walk very slowly, mm-hmm. stop. Because he'll always stomp his feet and turn his bottom around if they're going to spray. So, uh-huh. And you can look over the top and yeah. slowly, slowly, and yeah. then you put it over him, and then you can do all that. Mm-hmm. So Pick let's it up and open it. So let's talk about skunks. Okay. Are skunks. you a big fan? I like skunks a lot. I don't, my sister does a baby skunks are, I mean, anybody who meets a baby skunk just falls in Adorable. love. Adorable. Yeah. Yes. People keep them as like pets, like cats. Yeah. People ask us all the time about a pet, and they, but we don't do that. Yeah, yeah. And they they still have, even when they're descended, they still have a little bit of a poof that they could do. It's no big deal, but I guess they're cute mm-hmm. pets. I just don't, I'm not in approval of the wild animal pet world. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. And all these new fancy, you know, fennec foxes that everybody's Oh, yeah. And mind you, for listeners, you have all the permits from 
all the yes i have a state and federal permit and i have a federal permit to do birds you only need a federal permit in order to do migratory birds or banding or uh-huh. taxidermy or yes. whatever so i hold a federal permit so you're one of the only data. people to have yep for these well animals. and jennifer who runs our bird center downstairs she has it for raptors because she does those on her own okay okay and we do a few up here here and there okay so so skunks i mean on the aggression level are they as difficult as like a raccoon or are they oh, pretty oh not well They've got that mechanism, and all Oops. they have is the spray. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to try to put a net over one, you're probably going to get sprayed or something like that. But if they're, they're down in a window well, mm-hmm. and you can kind of tuck something out or put something they can climb out on, mm. which is another story altogether, then that usually works to let them go on their way. Because their their entire diet is almost other than a chicken, if they could get it, or insects. They can't see more than about a foot or two in front of them. So they rely on their smell and on their hearing you know and the mm-hmm. bugs so that's why they're always so startled because they can't they don't know what it is that's mm-hmm. coming towards them. i love we have a skunk that lives in our yard i love it we see him out and at night never sprays no he's great and he's yeah. like searching around for grubs in our garden and we don't and have in the any... spring you'll see little dug up parts uh-huh. a lot of people call me and say you know the raccoons digging by the ice it's probably a skunk or something and squirrels do that in the fall yeah they dig a little it's no big it doesn't ruin anything no we love having them around yeah. the only thing is like i mean but we've never had an issue with our dog before but have you ever been sprayed Oh, I've been sprayed right in the mouth. <laughs> in the mouth? Uh, with, you know Morris is from that Animal Control at Humane Society? Morris, he runs Animal Control. Oh, I don't know him. So but... he was an officer then, I think, or something. And over off of Warm Springs, there was a skunk under a house, and then I got it. I don't remember. I didn't get sprayed then. This is all my own fault. And I thought it was a baby or something, and then Morris arrived, Animal Control, and it's like, oh, I got it. Oh, do you want to see it? Opened up the thing, pulled off the thing, and he sprayed me right in the oh. right in my mouth and my face. I've been sprayed quite a few times. Oh actually. my god! What did you do? I mean, what did it taste like? Well, like it smells. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> I um, actually don't mind that smell as much as I could, and you know, like a lot of people just uh-huh. can't stand it. Um, oh. But you pretty much have. It's like if your dog gets sprayed, even if you get it off. If they get wet again, it reactivates that smell. Mm. Dampness does. So washing your clothes is sort of like spinning your wheels, and so sometimes you just have to throw them away. And you can usually get it off yourself. Okay. I have never had it right in my eyes, so I had it in my mouth. I heard that... I it burns your eyes, in, oh, I guess. I heard that the tomato juice is a complete myth. A wife it is still. a myth, but it's, it's an acid against an alkali, and that's why. So they were using Massengill douche for women for uh-huh. a while, which is a vinegar mixture. That's what it is. It's using a, an acid against an alkali, which mm-hmm. is what their spray is, and to break that down. But you and baking soda. I heard baking bake, soda works. It's all the, it's all the alkali business versus acid. So it nothing really works. It just has to wear off, and sometimes it's around for a really long time. Did you kiss your husband after that? Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Here, honey. Oh, I don't think I've ever had. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever had anything that bad happen to me. I mean, I've had things, you know, poop on me all the time. Oh, poop. Yeah, poop is Poop not, is poop fine. Is nothing, yeah. But poop. never in the mouth, I don't... Raccoons have a scent about them when they get really nervous about something. And really? it's, it's a, a scent they also have for marking, I think. Okay. And it's pretty uh, bad that gets on you. And you it's, I mean, you need some soap and water. What is that? What does it, it smell like? Is it a fishy... It's no, it's just even worse. It's just not good. It smells like a bodily function thing. Oh. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's really yucky. Yeah. And all things have a scent, you know, thing that they of course. Do, but I really raccoons, and the skunk thing is just the skunk thing yeah. in general. So yeah, I but I love um, having them around, and they're great for people's gardens. I mean, eating the grubs and everything's wonderful, and they don't attack and kill people, and mm-hmm. do, you know, nobody gets a disease from any of them. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's another thing. Oh my God, the disease and. 
You, and, you know, there's a roundworm that raccoons carry, and nobody dies from them. I mean, a little girl in Washington back in the, oh, was it 91 or something, got in a sandbox that was never cleaned out and ingested some stuff, and she ended up dying from this mm. raccoon roundworm. But it's not a, I mean, just not that huge of a thing. If you're going to eat poop, that I mean, then you're going to be in trouble no matter what you do. Yeah, but, but. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, yeah, I think they're beneficial, and, and I think, like, Regarding chickens, aren't they more likely to eat the chicken eggs than the actual chicken? Can I yes, get but if a rat, when a when a skunk gets skunk, into a excuse thing, me, a skunk. Okay. Well, a raccoon too. But when a skunk gets inside a chicken thing, usually you'll smell them, and they get all. It's like a killing thing, like a mink. Just okay. kill, 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 kill. Really. And so there's feathers everywhere, but they want the eggs too, and then they'll uh-huh. sometimes grab the chicken. Sometimes you can tell the chickens what kind of a kill it was. By what kind of an animal it was? It's killed by if the head is bitten off and just part of this is eaten or part of the. Brain. What is that? What is that? Like if that just happened. part of the brain is eaten. Sometimes that might be a mink or I've weasel type thing. Okay. Beheaded and maybe just because if a raccoon grabs a chicken out in the outside, if it's not in a pen, uh-huh. there's gonna because they have heads. There's gonna be all these feathers all over. But yeah. If they find their chicken in the morning that they forgot to lock up, and it's just dead on the ground or its head is missing, that's probably a great horn owl. Or some oh. kind of a night bird of prey because grabs it, you know, and either takes it away or uh-huh. just, I had it happen to me with a duck. Its head was just gone. It was sitting out in the yard like it was just nesting and I went and it was. Oh my, I'm sorry not to laugh. No, that's <laughs> okay. it's so startling. Well, it was a great horned owl, but a raccoon yeah. gets something, they have to drag him along. The bird's flopping all over and feathers yeah. are flying. And I think raccoons, it looks more or less like a, like a, like a slaughterhouse scene. I mean, that's just it's from my so experience. Will will, and so will it with a skunk. Will a skunk, okay. Or a, or a weasel or a mink. Or a weasel, okay. A mink. And weasels can get in the smallest, or a mink in the smallest of things, and they just love to eat chickens and chicken eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so do we as humans. Right, exactly. So, yeah, but no, but like I said, I, I, I live in a rural area, and we very rarely will lose a chicken. And if we do, it's because the chicken was out at night and, and it he, didn't he come didn't back in the coop. I didn't get him in. Exactly. Yeah. It's like when people get bitten by a raccoon, it's always a pet raccoon. Raccoons uh-huh. still go and bite people. Yeah. I've never known of anybody other than me. Uh-huh. I get bitten a lot because yeah. I handle them, but you just don't get bitten by those things unless you, they're, somebody's made them into a pet, mm-hmm. and they're not pets. No wild animals yeah. are pets. Same with the snakes. I mean, most if you leave them alone, they'll be exactly. <laughs> they're way people more scared like to of you. Just see one and then cut its head off. Just leave them alone. And that's when people get bit is when they try to kill the snake, mm-hmm. and I always tell people that. We've I got always... a four-foot bull snake up here who lives here. We just love him. We get mm-hmm. to see him every time. We've got lizards and, yeah. and tons of mice for him to eat and some birds, I guess, if he wants. Yeah. And, yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, he's cool. It's all about coexisting. Yeah, that I is, love snakes. I do. See, and I worry about Frank being, you know, yeah. gone. Uh huh. He he passed away. No, he didn't. But just being, oh my god, you freaked no. me. Frank's I'm older. sorry, Manny. Okay, I haven't seen. <laughs> you see a tear going down. I, I my think, face. No, Frank, he didn't. But and I see him. We do talk sometimes. Oh my god, stuff, I'm sorry. He's a few years older than I am, or about yeah. the same age, and yeah. we're going to be dead before we're You're not, not going to be we're dead. Probably, probably before this podcast airs. Maybe. 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 <laughs> I could be. <laughs> the no, but I mean, I just worry who to call about snakes because Debbie Wiggins isn't around too much. She anymore. isn't around, yeah. And it's hard on the snake thing. And I mm-hmm. don't mind going on snake calls, but sometimes I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I saved two snakes last year from cat things and treated them yeah. with betrol, and it was really exciting, I thought, and then yeah. released them again. Yeah. I love the snakes. I'm out in my area, you know, taking them off the roads and, yeah. Yeah. Snakes bed, are wonderful so. creatures. Yeah. Awesome. So what has been, so you've rescued all these different animals. Is there any, like, top rescue story that comes to mind or unique story where you're like, 
the problem is, is as I told you, I've forgotten stuff. And then someone reminded me, I thought, oh, my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> a lady Try to, donates yeah. to us all the time now, an older lady. And she used to run a humane sign in California. And I kind of had talked to her about animals once in a while. I was pretty new in the wildlife business. And she called me and told me there was a um, Canada goose hanging from a tree. You know, I thought it was probably cotton kite string or fishing line. It was all hanging upside down. You know, rush over there. And it was one of those paper... Um, <laughs> Those paper geese that used to stick in your yard, remember they had a flat <laughs> legs or something yeah, yeah. Stick them in and they blew in the wind? Yeah. Well, that's what it was. <laughs> I mean, because you drive up and you see, the, and then it's like, and then to have to tell her that, I mean, how did you think that that was a real, did you walk out here? Or so that was kind of odd, but it isn't a great story. And another story the same way is that my sister, Tony, and I, we got a call on a badger in a house. So when we got there, the people left the door wide open. There was nobody to be found. They were scared, doo-doo-less. First badger call I'd ever been on. And I, I, mean, I, I mean, I sort of knew what they looked like, but I hadn't handled mm-hmm. a lot or known much mm-hmm. about them then. Just like 30 years ago or something. They're nowhere to be found. They're scared to death. They've left. And that house was pretty strange, too, kind of like a hoarding house. But I didn't find the little parts that you did. So <laughs> we're creeping around. Because we don't know if this animal's going to come out like you. going to come out and jump on us. Because I don't know about badgers. Oh, they're the meanest thing. Creeping and creeping. And, and we're jumping all over the place. Oh, that reminds me of another story. Um, anyway, we found it and under the bathroom sink. And it was a ferret. So that was kind of embarrassing. I mean, you know, because we were acting so strange in the house. Yeah. And another one, which I get calls on all the time now, but the first time is something's in their house and making a noise, and then they hold the phone up, and you can hear this big noise. Anyway, so what it is is a smoke alarm when the battery goes out, and it sounds exactly, exactly like a rock chuck. Yellow-bellied marmot. Really? You know what a rock chuck is. Yes, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, and they do the whistle. They're not a whistle pig that people uh-huh. refer to, but a marmot. They're pretty big. Uh-huh, yes. And makes that noise. It sounds just like an alarm. And now I get calls all the time, and I say, "Are you? could you check your smoke? Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Oh, my God. I never even knew that. I probably get about three or four of those a year. Really? But how would people know what a rock chuck sounds like? They don't. Like? They think they've got some animal in the house. They don't know what it is. And then I ask them to describe it, and they hold the phone for me because their thing is going off, off and on because the battery's going. And then mm-hmm. it's like, your battery's going on your thing. I mean, I just know it. Rock chucks don't get in people's houses. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. They just don't do that. It's just like they like squirrels don't live under your house either. Mm-hmm. You know, get up in your attic, but they're going to live under your house in a crawl space. So yeah. They like to be high. Mm-hmm. So what advice, 31 years, almost 32. We're going to go to right. 32. Exactly. What advice do you have for somebody who, I mean, who wants to start maybe an animal rescue or who's interested in animal rescue? What is your advice for our young listeners out there? Um, the main thing is, because we get a lot of people who want to help. When I get someone who's who's more my age, you know, not mm-hmm. my age, your age, you know, mm-hmm. who's capable, who wants to help on rescues, the problem with rescues is is it isn't, um, it isn't at your convenience. It's at the animal's convenience. So I say, I will call you, you know, to go out like you, go out on a badger call with me, go out on a raccoon call. We may not even see it. We might not be able to get it. But I'll call you three times, and every all three times, if you can't do it, then I'm, like, done. Because I have to stop, get all my equipment together, then make the phone call to try to get a hold of Corbin. Mm-hmm. Hey, Corbin, oh, I can't get you. I'm going on a thing, and how long am I going to wait? Well, this animal is maybe in a steel jaw trap or mm-hmm. something. So it's kind of like we got to do it, got to do it, and we got to go. So wanting to help that way, I love to have people help with mammals because there's so few of us. And then people can help here at the bird center, too. We always need volunteers. We just won't take anyone under 16 unless they have an adult with them because it just gets too crazy. If they prove themselves to be pretty good, then they don't need that anymore. But 
as kids to get into it, I think to just um, try to be aware, as they are, and the ones who like animals do like them, and try to tell their friends why it's a good thing. Or, you know, we're happy to go give talks at schools and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but we're not we're not like a zoo. We can't do tours with animals and have everybody come over and see everything. That's what they'd like to do all the time, but it doesn't really work like that. Mm-hmm. And so what about our listeners like who don't live in Idaho who who want to start a rescue? You you think to reach out maybe to a local organization and Well, there aren't a lot in the West. There aren't too many other than California or, you know, along the coast or okay. California and Oregon. As far as Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, Utah, there's not much. There's a few places, best friends over in Utah. Um it's a rough it's a rough go because there's a lot of the cat and dog people have enough time trying to get money to help you know mm-hmm. help with cats and dogs so when it comes to wildlife you've also maybe got a big fight with your local fishing game or mm-hmm. whatever they call their department um we could very easily not be allowed to rehab bats because they're a rabies vector species utah doesn't allow raccoons to be rehabbed and they're a rabies vector species but not in utah hmm. there's four rabies vector species in this country bats Foxes, raccoons, and skunks. And we only, in Idaho, we only have it in bats. And the same in, in Utah, but they don't allow people to do certain animals sometimes. They won't let them do raccoons. So people sneak around and do things. But that's usually the biggest obstacle is your local fish and wildlife or fishing game, whatever it's called in each state. And see if the local humane society would like to maybe work with you and do things with wildlife. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, a lot of vets get all nervous about wildlife and they get nervous about rabies because they don't know and they're not up on their rabies shots. And they also think that they're dealing with some kind of an alien or something as opposed to, you know, a raccoon's not much different than a dog or a cat. I mean, especially if you're spaying or neutering them or any type of, you know, some of their bone structures a little different, but... Mm-hmm. They're all pretty much the same. It's hard to find a vet to work with you. I mean, we're really fortunate, but the hardest part is probably getting your permit. And they, and most states should have some type of a, of a, something you should go through. The state of Idaho now has people go through us. If they spend a year with us and we think they're okay, they'll license them. But mm-hmm. when we got our licenses, it was just easy. I want to do this. I'm a good person. Give me a permit. And then but you yeah, still have them yeah, 30, still have one, 30 right, two late exactly. years later. But there, there isn't a lot of you out there. And that's why I say Especially you're the hardest. with the mammals. Yeah, with the isn't. mammals, you're the hardest working person. And I've contacted you numerous times. I, it seems like every year I end up with the beaver. The beavers. <laughs> and the I beavers always... are so difficult, you know. To they eat. are difficult. Talk about that really quick. Well, beavers are difficult because they're, if you have to raise a baby beaver, they stay with their parents for two years. And they don't, they have to eat in the water like a turtle. They have to poop in the water. They have to have all these natural different twigs and uh, cottonwood and I can't even think of everything they eat and apples and aspen vegetables and, and aspen right mm-hmm. and you have to keep cleaning that out and have huge places for them so that's that's why they're difficult the gal that we used to help us with beavers who had big tanks and filters stopped and she moved to Emmett mm-hmm. um, super nice gal what is her name uh, she, her name's Leslie 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 she Eisen. came to my house yeah Leslie. yes exactly Leslie yes she did and so she'll still help us when I say, Leslie, you know, what are we going to do here? But mm-hmm. that's the worst part because of them staying with their parents for two years. So, mm-hmm. and we tra- a lot of beavers are trapped out here in the Boise River. As you know, I deal, I'd like to bring up steel jaw lake hole traps and snares and conda bear traps because I deal with those, you know, all the time. They still have them out there? Oh, all the time. I have a huge collection of steel jaw lake hole traps. And those are just a steel jaw? It's a thing that closes like yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my. And, and they still have them out right now? Well, people use them all the time. Constantly, yeah, and snares. And snares. And you know what a snare is. Yeah, oh, yeah. of course, yeah, And yeah. then, and conibear traps, which 
they usually use a lot for beavers or they, you know, they drown beavers. It takes a beaver 40 minutes to drown underwater. What is that trap like? I'm sorry, I'm not oh, familiar. It could break their neck or a oh. dog. It could break a per kid. It could kill a little kid. It's just a great big thing that you, it's like a steel jaw lake old trap, but it's, it's more square and boxy. And you put it inside the water? You can put it in, you don't have to, but you can put it down in the water, right? And then they step in it and then it and probably either gets them around the middle or around the neck and squeezes the life out of well, it. Well, I didn't realize is that they're extremely territorial and aggressive towards each other. Yes. And they will beat the, sometimes when we get one, we can't tell if it's a dog that's chewed it up or another beaver beat the crap out of a two-year-old who's left its, its place to a go A two-year-old find beaver. It. two-year-old beaver who's just left its family because they're a huge family operation. Mm-hmm. As I said, they stay with their parents for two years. And then when they go off, then they might run into another place that has another beaver and who beats the crap out of them and says, get out of here. You better move on, buddy, and find your own place. It's really bad. I found two beavers because I live on the Snake River. We found two, and they are so badly beaten on their backs. Their it, right, wounds are always uh-huh. and full by the of time maggots. You, right, and by the time you, they get to that, because they have so much body fat, I mean, usually, as a rule, mm-hmm. by the time you get to them, they become almost septic, and that mm-hmm. infection has gone way under the fat layer, way into their system, so it's really hard to be treating them, mm-hmm. not to mention the difficulty in just keeping them um, Yeah the way they need to be kept. Just the way, and just so a brief, it was almost a year ago, and if you follow me on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, I found a beaver in my backyard, I contacted you, which you got me in touch with Leslie, and I had this dream of... Who came down from Emmett. Yep, yep, who came down from Emmett, who had this dream of rehabilitating this beaver, and it was a lot, (laughs) it was a great dream, it was a great... uh, I mean, I, I had a great vision for it, but yeah, it, it was really I just complicated. Yeah, have a little thing of water here and just do it. It yeah. doesn't work quite like well, that. Well, we actually did a lot. We actually got the whole swimming pool. Oh. We moved it into my garden shed, but uh, Leslie just took a look, and the wounds were so severe. I mean, they just and were yucky. too bad. And maggots can be good because they eat on dead flesh, you know, and so it gets yep. down to But then they'll start eating on good good flesh after. Yeah. It, w- it was really hard. That's probably one of the most difficult things. So he had to be put, put to sleep. Yeah, yeah we right. actually put him to, we gave him to a Dr. Coop. And, you know, there were, I mean, Leslie told me that there there was a slight chance that there could be a possibility he could make it, but he would, he would be under such intense, like I'd have to give him medication orally and exactly. have to do this. I had to put him through all this stress. It didn't seem. No, no, it's impossible. It's really hard. And that's when the public doesn't understand. Then you're the bad guy. And it's like, you know, we're doing the best that we can, but there's sometimes that you just can't, you know, it's like deer. We get a lot of calls on deer on three legs and it's dangling. And you try to ask people questions. Is dangling. Is he able, if he's able to hold it up, you know, it's not here. Because they're really resilient. Uh, Dr. Liz Scott over in Napa at Idaho Equine takes all of our uh, ungulate fawns, like moose fawn, deer fawn, elk fawns, and then she raises them because she has the facilities, which you need special facilities for that type of animal. And But if you get a call on an adult deer and it's just dangling and he's still getting around and he's an urban deer, mm-hmm. you know, they're pretty resilient. and It might take three or four months, but they might come back and be okay. Mm-hmm. If it's getting really thin and not doing very well, then it probably needs to be put out of its misery. But mm-hmm. yeah, and then that's what we decided—the most humane thing. And and I feel like right. I feel I feel I guess I guess at peace with the decision because that beaver is not going to be out starving in the front exactly. yard. Exactly, you have to be at peace with yeah. it because if you get in this business, you have to be at peace with that yeah. because otherwise you'll be crazy. Yeah, and that and I realize like normally, especially like, and I'm sure you know this when you rescue wildlife. You would not be able to go up to a wild beaver and have it just stand. I mean, just sit there. No, and just sit there. Just come on and pick me up. No. Actually, a beaver, you maybe could. But most animals, we have them for a reason. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We don't don't go out looking for things to take them out of the wild or Uh something. 
Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so you can, if it's hurt, you, you kind of know it. Mm-hmm. So you did mention that you actually worked with mountain lion with uh, kittens, you said? Yeah, I had, I got, some, they, buck, I got some uh, cougar kittens. And really? They, you know, you're not allowed in the state of Idaho to rehab big cats. You aren't? Because of a guy named Maurice Hornocker years and years and years ago from U of I was a big cat guy, and he decided that they couldn't be rehabbed. They ended up going to Big Cat Rescue in Florida. Okay. You put in Tampa. Uh-huh. And they came on Halloween. They flew out here, did a big TV thing with and mm-hmm. picked them up and took them back there. As a matter of fact, one of them, Carol, um, I can't even think what her name is, who runs it, she put a picture of one of them on there who were like 10 years, 12 years old uh-huh. now. And I said, oh, my God, do you still have him? And there were three of them. There were two boys and a girl, Aries wow. and Aramis and some, some kind of Greek names I gave them. Oh, but I hated man. to have them have to live. But they're not in a zoo. They're not open to the public. Once in a while, and it was a huge money-making thing for them because they, they get a lot of adult big cats, uh-huh. you know, just like that place in Oregon. But so the kittens were a big thing they could make money on. Mm-hmm. And they took those stupid pictures of them with the Santa hats on them and stuff, which I don't approve of at all, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. I don't name any of my wild animals either, though, but people name animals, and I just thought something I do. Oh, you wouldn't like my animals, and I, they all have names, but well, I guess they're not, not being re-released. Yeah, yeah exactly. that makes sense. So you just can't get attached. And, and it isn't even attached to name. It's just that I just don't even have time to think of that. What am I going to name? I have 11 raccoons in a cage. I wouldn't even know which one was which. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. That's Muppy, and... Because I get a lot of records from people who've raised them. And uh-huh. like, oh, this is Rocky. Of course it's Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> if it isn't Rocky, it's Rascal. You know? And here's what he likes, and here are his toys. And it's like... Because <laughs> it just doesn't... You know, He's not going to be living in the house like he did with you guys. He's going to meet some other raccoons and be a raccoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are. They're so, adorable. Yes, absolutely. So what do you say someone who wants to keep a raccoon or a fox or something like that as a pet? I tell them I understand why you're doing that because I understand how special they are. It's like having a little puppy or a little monkey. But after they reach sexual maturity, year, two years old, Mm -hmm. they become what they are. And then you might, when it takes your purse, the raccoon pulls your purse and gets into it or something, and you want to take it away from them, it won't Uh be so cute. And you might get bitten even though you're the person who's raised them and been their buddy because they're wild animals. And then now he's bitten you, and now you're really nervous about your kids and now you want to get rid of him, and you don't know what to do. So if you're a really bad person, you go take him out and dump him in the wild where he wouldn't know anything, and he's sure to die a slow death. Mm-hmm. Or you call me, who tries to figure out something. Yeah. And the, yeah. And so, yeah, wild animals don't make good pets after a while. I mean, the skunk, the descendant skunk, I think some people have those for years. Mm-hmm. If they let them go, it wouldn't be a good thing. But as you know, I mean, you wouldn't want every Tom, Dick, and Harry having a crocodile at home or who do you plan on taking over animals in distress that's a not, i don't i don't know i would like to, i would it would be nice if i could get mixed up with the humane society as far as wildlife goes mammals the bird center's fine but mammals go but they're building that big new place but they're going to keep the other one too so i don't know but something's got to happen i'm just hoping i don't drop dead in the next couple of years mm-hmm. i think you have so much fight in you i can't imagine <laughs> just being able to get out and run after i don't do that as well anymore. i'm still crawling around in you know, attics and under houses and things. Wow. I just, okay, so you promised me that I'm going to be able to go out on a badger or a raccoon call exactly. with you. Let's talk a little bit about trophy hunting. Mm-hmm. I, uh, just Africa, and I mean, I, it, it just outright. I outra- married to a man that did some trophy hunting in Alaska. Are you serious? And that's disgusting. I didn't do that, but I have a doll sheep hanging in our house. Really? And head. And he had, and, and he, a grizzly bear that is hanging down at the, uh, 
hatchery in McCall. Oh my God! A ten by ten foot Alaskan grizzly he shot, and a black bear that all kind of fell apart finally. But that was before I knew him. Oh, oh, before thing. I was. Well, it was say. before I knew him, and he mm-hmm. ever wanted to do anything else. That was the end of that. But just because so, you told him, or yeah, I pretty much told yeah. him if you think this is gonna. Yeah, no, he doesn't even hunt or do anything anymore. Yeah. But that's disgusting. Yeah, I don't so get I think that at I all. So I think I know trophy hunting. Yeah. I said my mother's beautiful, too, but I don't have her head on my wall. So that's <laughs> a deal, right? Oh, but it's a beautiful, yeah. No. Okay. I, 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 I think it's disgusting. And, uh, you know, recently with, with the Trump administration, there's something that just came out yesterday. And anyway, it's going back and forth where they're now still allowing elephant trophy exactly. um, imports. Exactly, I just saw that. You just saw that. And it's just disgusting. Even part of it's done on you can shoot lions too and that's all yeah. based on conserving them at the same time which is letting people come in and there's something wrong with that whole yeah mentality. and and the whole thing is and i'm trying to wrap my head around it maybe i'll i don't know if i want to get a trophy hunter on the show i'm not i don't i'm not i don't know if i want to put the spotlight but their their argument is the like dentist. oh we're we're safe oh my god <laughs> Right here. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, uh, you know, saving, you know, you know, they're, they're protecting the habitat and to an extent they are. But if, if you do your research, a lot of the money is not actually going back to those villages. They don't see any of it. The people don't see any of that money. Um, well, of course not. It's just like giving to the American Cancer Society. They're probably having donuts and coffee in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So your views on trophy hunting are just, it's just not, it's just not, yeah, it's, they're not even there. Yeah. I don't approve of it at all. I think it's disgusting. It's not a sustainable at all. Well, what could be sustainable about it? Yeah. There isn't anything sustainable. Yeah. I mean, we lose a hundred. And we know the habitat thing is kind of a joke because we think we can make corridors now. And that isn't the way wildlife lives. This isn't the way our sage grouse lives. This isn't the way our coyotes live. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the way our deer or elk go, oh I, oh, I can't go over there. I go down this little path. It just doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. But that's what we expect, mm-hmm. that we can just build everywhere and make them use other little And mind you, for the hunters out there, um, not the trophy hunters, but so much of the money does go back into conservation for the land even here. You know, our wetlands and stuff like that, and they have great conservation initiatives. I've seen it on paper. I don't know that I've ever seen it really be happening in too many places, but I'm not out there. I think, you know, replanting uh, the sagebrush and all of that, Uh but I don't like to see what happened with the sage grouse because we protected all of that in the last administration. And now they're not going to have that much land, mm-hmm. even with our governor and people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sage grouse is, is a native game bird that we have in Idaho, which is pretty special. And they have lex where they do all their breeding. And, mm-hmm. and they can't just be squeezed into certain areas that we've decided is okay for them, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And why do we have to take over everything? I don't understand that. Yeah. Because I'm naive. Why we, why we as humans get to do whatever we want to do and decide what's going to what we're going to save for the animals and like we've really done them a big favor they haven't done anything a big favor mm-hmm. building in all these foothills hasn't done anything a favor yeah because then they complain about the snakes up there and the things that get their little chihuahuas mm-hmm. and I love chihuahuas so I don't mean it that way or their cats we'll keep them in at night then yeah so do you have any hope for the future like for I mean do you anything bright <laughs> You know what you'd like to hear? I'm not that type of person, Corbin. No, I know. I don't have, no, the glass is half empty at all Mm -hmm. times. And Mm -hmm. I think, I'm sorry for the whole world what's happening to it. Because there won't be any animals pretty soon. Mm -hmm. I mean, look what we've done to the oceans. Look what we did with all these these salmon that we were breeding in big pens out in the ocean. Then they get out. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. And now we're going to have all this mixed business. we got dams in the state that aren't willing to do much of anything about our salmon. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I have no no hope for the future whatsoever. Hope, younger people, even younger than you are, 
who have all these thoughts about it, but they're not going to, they can't even make a living to even be able to pay any rent. How are they going to take the time to help animals? Mm -hmm. That's why I truly think you're a one of a kind individual, you along with your sister and the other volunteers, because you're not, you're not in it for the money. I mean, don't take that to any offense, but. Oh, I've never been paid a nickel. We do have a small, you know, we do have a small staff because we after the birth center, 12 hours a day, seven Mm -hmm. days a week is pretty Mm -hmm. hefty, but yeah, just to sell volunteer. I've never been paid a nickel. I wouldn't dream of it. Right, yeah, so, because I'm, and I'm, and I'm able to do that. So some people aren't able to do that, but yeah. I'm able to not have to be paid to work. I makes my husband crazy sometimes, but that's okay. Yeah. I, uh, I wish there were more people like you out in the world. I really that's do. Nice. And so it would be nice with people like you in the world also, Corbin. Yeah, well, thank you. You just have to say okay. that. Or am I... No, I don't just have to say it. <laughs> No. But, yeah, you have to do all of this business. Yeah, but I, I enjoy doing it, and I love educating people. And, you know, when I do my shows or even with the podcast, if someone can take away something or learn, then I think I've done my job. That's true. It, See, and you can be jolly and not get to the, where I got, and I got there a long time ago, to just be angry and bitter and mad. Well, give and me I don't 32 mind years. Being, <laughs> I don't mind being that way either. You know, a yeah. lot of people, I mean, I am angry a lot of the time, but I talk about it a lot, so I don't have mm-hmm. any big build-up angst or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not an alcoholic or mm-hmm. a druggie or anything, so mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. I just have to, if I can bitch a little bit, then I feel better. Good. Well, and I appreciate you doing this, and I appreciate when we do local you know, stuff in the Boise area, like media wise. I know it's not your favorite thing, but I think if we well, could change one person's perspective about killing a badger or a coyote. Right. Just and I appreciate you inviting me because it used to be, we used to, and I had more energy too, you know, any kind of a call, we might call up one of the stations. Hey, we're going on a steel gel Lego. We're going on this and get oh. the media over there. Mm-hmm. But the time factor is just too much trouble. And then they all compete with each other as you mm-hmm. already, you know, there's mm-hmm. all that business and I don't have time for that anymore. So when I do go on the air, it's usually due to you anymore. Yes. So I appreciate it. Yes. Well, you're and a big... I always have to bring a little creature on. <laughs> I, I almost brought some... I have a I have a hoary bat, which is the biggest <gasps> bat we have. Oh, really? And I have a little teeny myotis. It's not even a little brown. It might be a yuma or something. Mm-hmm. So I have five bats that I'm wintering over. But, you know, one is this big, and the one is this big. So I almost brought them to show you, and then I didn't. Oh, I didn't you want sh- to tra- I was going to transport them, and I decided not to. Okay. Well, can I At come over point. and film a webisode? You can. Yes, sometime. Can I sometime? Yes. Keep on trying to make a date with you, and you keep on blowing me off. Well, well that's just because <laughs> Welcome I, to my college years. Well, and that's also... <laughs> well, now you've got a girl, so you don't, it's no problem anymore. Or or she's got to think I'm to the sofa again. Whatever. It's your boat. Whatever she needs, you know. Um, I always say that because my house is probably like the hoarding house because I'm always in such a freaking mess is why. It's fine. It's fine. I understand. Because of the animal thing. You know, the turtle's in the kitchen and the thing. Yeah. <clears throat> no. I told you about my little turtle, didn't I? No. Oh, yes, yes, the little guy out there. He now weighs eight, over 80 grams. He weighed really? three and a half grams when I, he was under the ground. You know, uh-huh. got dug up. Mm-hmm. He's like, why didn't you come out? Let, you know, and anyway, and I thought he was dead, and so I was going to put him in the freezer, but his tail wiggled. And so I'm just holding him until I can put him in the pond this spring. Yeah. But yeah, he's, oh my God, he's cute. But he's, yeah, he went from three and a half grams and now he's 81 grams. He's about this size. He's a little western painted. <laughs> a little tiny. I have babies in my yard. In yeah. Year, so yeah. He's very cute. That's awesome. Well, Mady, thank you so much. How can and someone. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And how can someone help? They could go to Animals in Distress. They can go to our, our website. They can just put in Animals in Distress Association, Boise, but also. The the uh, website is idowildlife rescue dot org. Okay. 
And on Facebook, the Ruth Mellicar Bird Center, we have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, this upstairs thing, I just put it on Facebook, which is sort of weird for me because I've never put anything on Facebook in my life. Wait, th- that I was coming up here? No, no. Oh, just, I was. Just, <laughs> no, no, I can do that. Oh, please don't. No. <laughs> no. Just this place that it was a that Ada now has an Airbnb to rent. You know, so and That's... it all goes back into the into the outfit. Yeah, to the animals. Right. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Any last words of advice for anybody who wants, like I said, to pursue a wildlife-related career? Just keep pushing people like us, and if you want to help, you got to be there. Because, you know, I mean, the Humane Society needs help. The horse rescue people need help. We always need help. I don't think the birds at World Center Birds of Prey just take volunteers like that, but we're always open to volunteers. And seeing what... doing Being a wildlife rehabilitator isn't about petting little animals and loving on them. That's the bonus part of it. Most of it is... Cleaning up poop, feeding, changing out bedding, um, worrying about where you're going to release them, and and not having any life of your own, or being able to go anywhere all summer. So that's something you can um, get into, and no money. So, <laughs> so you just so lost you just everyone. <laughs> right. And there's not any money. In you're it. you're right. There is no hope. Right. Even if even if you work for a for a unless you're with a huge wildlife place, which aren't a lot of them around, they're usually little startup things that are just trying to get by, nonprofits. Um, you know, you get your training somewhere else, and if you're diligent and keep at it, you can probably be somewhere. But it isn't, there isn't a lot of money. There's not a lot of money in working for animal shelters. Or Lady, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I really appreciate you, it. And don't forget me again when you do the radio thing or whatever. <laughs> or just call me anytime you have a question. I'm going to call you, but next time, can you please get a cell phone? I'm never getting a cell phone. Not ever. Count on it. <laughs> Believe me, unless I'm unless they take my landline away, I'm not having a cell phone ever. You're the only person I know that has a landline. I'm the only person I know that doesn't have a cell phone too, and I like it. <laughs> and I've never had to have one. I'm doing just fine without. You're it. doing just great. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. Please make sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps me out. I also encourage you to check out CorbinMaxi.com. You can contact me there personally, even suggest a podcast guest, or if you just want to learn more about animals.